this episode of Family Office Real Estate Insights, we speak with Ed Nwakadi from Red Swan on the future of tokenized real estate. Uh, it allows investors to be able to buy into uh, multiple shares of different types of real estate to diversify their portfolio this much more. Yeah, so you're going to write uh, bigger checks. This allows you to actually diversify even more for the same amount of money that, that you're investing as a family, right? Um, and you do have that liquidity feature as well. So I think it's something that, you know, families really, really need to take a look at and dive into and see the opportunity. Now you you and, mentioned a word in there and I want to back up a little bit. You said chain on the chain. Now you're Yes. Yeah, on chain, which you're talking about blockchain, right? Yes, that's just taking uh, your physical real estate shares, which are issued in an analog form, uh, and which is a PDF, and putting them on the blockchain so they now become digitized and have more digital uh, components associated with them. For the last 25 years, I've been in real estate, which is my passion. Back in 2015, I started working in the family office space directly for several prominent families on their real estate portfolios. With 70% of families losing their wealth by the second generation and 90% by the third generation, I then realized that real estate would be the missing component for families, allowing them to maintain their legacy and mitigate how much wealth is lost for future generations. It was shortly after working for my first single family office that I started interviewing successful real estate families and industry experts. These conversations, combined with my first-hand experience of working for families on their real estate investments and currently investing on behalf of families, that has allowed me to share this knowledge with other family offices, family members, and family office professionals so they too can be good stewards of wealth. I'm DJ Van Curen, and this is Family Office Real Estate Insights from the Family Office Real Estate Institute. So today uh, we have with me uh, Ed uh, and Wackety from Red Swan. It's a uh, uh, digital uh, marketplace for real estate. And, you know, when, when we look at, take a look at the various opportunities for families to invest um, one that's really not on the top of the radar uh, is crowdfunding. And, you know, there's an evolution that's happening within the crowdfunding space. And that really gets into, you know, the use of uh, the, the digital marketplace. And, and so we've got uh, Ed from Red Swan. Um, Ed, thanks for being here. Thank you, DJ. Really appreciate it. This should, uh, looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. So um, so I'm glad that we we're able to get together this morning and chat because, you know, crowdfunding has really come up. Um, it's less than five percent to families. Um, and, and that's from our annual report that we do. Uh, we're in our fourth year right now, the largest family office real estate uh, study in the world, actually. And, you know, when we talk about uh, crowdfunding, it's really evolved over time. And this is really the next, what you guys are doing, it's the next step in the cycle is the way that I see it. Could you tell us a little bit about what you guys do, what it consists of, and um, let's start from there. Absolutely, thank you. So Red Swan started in 2018, and that's really came after the 
the SEC uh, mandated that STOs, security token offerings, are now legalized uh, for equity raising. But it also allowed for uh, investors to now be able to democratize their investments in real estate. So uh, Red Swan came out to really bring commercial real estate on chain, uh, which allows um, both sides of the marketplace for sponsors to be able to raise equity by selling uh, fractional shares of their real estate equity uh, to accredited investors in the United States, as well as uh, non-accredited investors uh, overseas. Um, but I think on a more practical level from the family office position, as well as from the high net worth investor position, uh, it allows investors to be able to buy into uh, multiple shares of different types of real estate to diversify their portfolio this much more uh, because it reduces uh, the entry cost uh, for most of these investments. Uh, but then it also allows them to have the ability for an early exit option. Uh, liquidity is very important for investments. Uh, when you can see things coming down the road and you decide that it may be time to exit, having that ability to pivot and exit from your investment and move into something else is extremely important. So we thought by tokenizing commercial real estate, you now we allow for investors to be able to buy several types of real estate to more to give a number, a nice you know democratization as well as a um, uh, increase of, of different types of options for their real estate as opposed to just buying one or two per year. They can now buy close to 20 per year uh, by having fractional ownership. Now, you, you had mentioned a word in there, and I want to back up a little bit. You said chain, on the chain. Now, you're saying, uh, yes. Yeah, on chain, which you're talking about blockchain, right? Yes, that's just taking uh, your physical real estate shares, which are issued in an analog form, uh, and which is a PDF, and putting them on the blockchain so they now become digitized and have more digital uh, components associated with them. So I know that there's a, a lot of families that are, are watching this right now. And so they're like, okay, does that mean that I got to buy my investment in crypto in, in, um, uh, in Bitcoin? No, not at all. I mean, we take uh, fiat dollars, which is US dollars, uh, can be wired in. Uh, it's just that now that the, um, the actual shares that you're buying have been put into a digital form so they can be held in the custody, either in your own personal wallet uh, or you can hold it on uh, an Omnibus, which is uh, in our wallet, uh, which we store in custody with companies like Coinbase. So your shares are very secure, um, but they're also easy for you to access and trade if necessary, which is totally different from the, the analog source where you have shares that are not digitized and they're maybe sitting in your file cabinet or sitting with the broker dealer who sold them to you in his file cabinet. But at that point, they're pretty much locked up until that asset is sold, which takes away uh, your liquidity factor. So, all right, because I, I know that there's a lot of questions that's, you know, coming up to people because this is, um, you know, this is the future. However, there's still, um, you know, the need to really start understanding this. So, um, you know, one of the questions that come to mind is that, so does that mean that I am investing dollars um, or I'm not, and will I get dollars back or am I investing dollars and then I'm getting, you know, uh, having to convert it into a Bitcoin of some sort of sort, or do I just keep it in digital currency? Can you elaborate on that a little bit for me? 
Absolutely. You're investing dollars, whether they be uh, U.S. dollars, fiat dollars, or we accept digital currency as well, because, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of cryptocurrency digital dollars uh, in the marketplace today. Last, last year, they topped off at $3 trillion. So we don't want to ignore that market because they're already in a digital form. But we definitely accept U.S. dollars for in exchange for digital shares of real estate. And if you would want to be paid out in terms of your dividends, be paid out in U.S. dollars as well. Uh, you know, there is also what they call a uh, USDC, which is a digital dollar. Uh, this is a stable coin, which is, uh, which is a digital currency that's pegged to the U.S. dollar. So you could receive funds digitally that way. So you can start building your digital currency account. Um, and there's no, really, there's no uh, risk in terms of buying these digital dollars because they're backed by U.S. dollars one-to-one and they pretty much hold their value at a dollar consistently. So you can either have that form of currency uh, that you buy and sell in or receive your your, uh, dividends in, or you can request for US dollars to be put into your account. In that case, they could just wire money right to your bank account. Okay, so would it be safe to say that it's what it is, is um, no different than let's say that uh, we buy a piece of real estate in the US and you know we've got a bank account, or I'm sorry, in the UK, we've got a bank account here in the US. That has to convert over into euro, right? When we're making that purchase, so is is that a good comparison to say, okay, it's still a dollar, but we're having to convert that for the acquisition, similar to if we had to, uh, you know, buy a property in in Europe using your or in Europe using the euro. That's true. So. We can accept any form of uh, currency, fiat currency, whether it be euro or. Uh, but or but I guess I, I guess the question is, is that when you're when you're buying, if we go and buy a property over in the UK, we might have dollars, but ultimately that's purchased by the euro. Right. And that's what I mean. So if we have dollars with you, it's just purchasing it in your currency. That's correct. If you're buying a price, if you have dollars and you want to buy something in, in Europe and you have to use euros, you convert the dollars to euros. That's right. Same thing here. If you, uh, okay. you have dollars, you want to buy uh, digital assets, we can convert that euros dollars to a USDC, which is a digital dollar and make yeah. that transfer. So we do that internally so that you don't have any currency risk uh, at all. But uh, we do that to make sure that our sponsors actually want to receive their their currency in dollars as well. So if someone's wiring over Euro, we automatically convert that Euro into USDC and then credit our our, uh, issuer's account with US dollars. All right, so let's go back and talk about, you know, one of the advantages of of public REIT or that you have that liquidity aspect because real estate itself is a a non-liquid asset, right? So, You know, there are often times that you do need to, you're like, okay, all my money is tied up in that property, right? And I can't get access to it. So from something you said earlier, it seems to me that this is a perfect opportunity to create that liquidity um, for ownership that you might have in a property. Absolutely. For sponsors as well as investors, sponsors don't like their money, 40% of on average, of equity of a property is tied in the property until that property is sold, which means that all the opportunity costs that you have for that the money in that asset is really been wasted. Uh, we think that by pulling your capital out, your equity out of that asset, 
but still maintaining your GP ownership uh, and also having your upside for promote makes a much, much better uh, yield for the sponsor because now they can pull capital out of their asset, redeploy it to either buy another property or build another property, but still maintain uh, the GP uh, interests of, of managing the asset and GP uh, we call earnouts, which is your promote, uh, can still take place, uh, but rather on a dis- have it on a disposition, it takes place on an annual basis as you improve your NOI. Uh, that fractional increase, like so let's just say, for example, uh, you have a hurdle rate to pay your investors 6% uh, dividend annually, and you're now performing at a 9% dividend uh, annually. That means you're 300 basis points above the hurdle rate that now the GP can split with the LPs uh, at some ratio that they, they come to agreement on. Got it. Now, does it have to be, can you do a portion of your investment or does the whole property need to be uh, tokenized? You can tokenize. We like to tokenize the entire LP capital stack to keep it consistent. So everyone has the same rights and benefits, but you could carve out, and we are doing that on a high rise in Miami right now. You could carve out uh, a section of the equity to be tokenized and those uh, that that particular uh, quote that particular section now has its own rights and characteristics uh, of digital assets and maybe the others may be still in the analog form that definitely can happen got it so what are some of the misconceptions that you uh, hear um, or that people believe when it comes to tokenization of real estate I think people always get it confused with uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, they think tokens are Bitcoin or something related to that. Um, I think they believe that it's um, uh, a Bitcoin type asset that's not backed by anything. So there's a lot of inherent risk. Um, so they don't realize this is actually an SEC approved asset that is a security, uh, just like the stock security they have in, in their, with their stock exchange or their broker dealer account. Uh, so that's the largest misconception. And I think that um, the liquidity aspect, people get confused about as well. They, they think that, okay, I buy this. How, how do I sell it? Um, how, do I, you know, how do we transfer it? And they don't realize that there are actually exchanges that exist right now uh, called ATSs that allow you to transfer uh, your digital shares uh, to get liquidity, which is a major benefit for the industry. Because like you said, uh, real estate, for so as long as I've known it, has been a, a liquid asset. The only way you can get out is by selling the asset. So these are called, and, and this is officially a, what, a CTO? Is, is that what it is? Or an STO? STO. It's an STO. Security okay. token and, and the initial uh, was what, CTO? ICO. Uh, ICO, that's was, right. Yeah, we don't, yeah. the initial was an ICO, initial point offering. Yeah, which is, which is very important because... When you look at, um, you know, back when the internet started, or not the internet started, but I guess in the late 90s, when you had all these high tech firms, they were really off of white papers for the most part, right? It was a concept. People were investing into it and, and there really wasn't anything behind it. Well, that's the issue with the ICOs is that all these people were coming up and um, actually putting together a white paper, raising capital. And there were, were reports of, of many companies that just went away. They took the money and went away. And because of that, the U.S. has actually banned um, you know, investors here in the States from buying 
uh, ICOs. You're, you have to be overseas to do that. And so now with the STOs, just like you said, that's taking that extra layer of security. The SEC is now involved and they understand that. And so that should give great comfort to investors, I would think. Absolutely. First, it gives a lot of uh, protection to investors so that they just can't buy freely. First of all, we have to make sure that uh, all the investors that we're uh, selling to are accredited investors, which means they they pass the accreditation test, which I, I know you know what that means, and most of your uh, members know what that means as well. Uh, so that's important. They pass the accreditation test. They also have to go through uh, a KYC process, which allows us to identify who they are to make sure they're not on any um, uh, AML anti-money laundering list or OFAC list. So we clear all these hurdles uh, that the SEC has made, mandated. Uh, then there's also uh, the SEC makes sure that you know people don't come in to pump and dump uh, uh, offerings as well. So they make sure that anytime uh, our investors buy into uh, an STO, they're locked in for that STO for at least a, a one-year period. There's a seasoning period um, to allow them to you know cool off their investment and not just buy something and immediately try to sell it because they don't want to encourage, like I said, pumping and dumping. So these are the kind of uh, constructs that the SEC has mandated for us to follow. And even when we design the token itself, the restrictions behind the token allow uh, for those movements to be uh, kind of monitored and restricted. Uh, for example, a foreign investor who buys uh, a share cannot turn around and sell that share to a US investor. Uh, if they're locked off from there. They can sell it to other foreign investors, but they can't sell it to US investors. So there's different types of uh, policies that the SEC has asked for us to make sure that there are being mandated when we issue digital securities. All right. So, um, so I want to get out, right. It's I've been in the property for three years. They're still holding it. They've got a five, six year plan. How are you valuing my, my ownership or my shares or my tokens, I guess you could say uh, in coming into year three, because I'm looking to put it, we're going to put it on a secondary market, right? And that's where that liquidity happens. So how do we value that? Uh, the same way we value it when we issue the shares. You start off by doing evaluation of the project uh, appraisal value. So we know what the actual value is when we're going in. And then we take that value and divide it by a dollar to be the minimum uh, price point per share. Uh, so we now have these shares valued a dollar. We kind of know... Uh, what the forecast is because you've seen the financial statements and you know how this property is supposed to perform over the next five years, for example. Every quarter, uh, the sponsors will give us their financial statements, which we now upload to the token. So every token holder can actually just click their token and they can see all the financial statements and all the corporate communication uh, behind that token from the sponsor to the, to the shareholders. Uh, and then you can actually look at the financial statements to determine you know, where the value is now compared to where it was when you bought. And you can now see the value in terms of uh, net equity value. You can just divide that into the number of shares you own. So that's an easy way of understanding. And, and we keep, you know, price points on Red Swan as well. But that's the easy way for you to understand when you bought it, what the value was and what the NOI was. And every quarter, when you're thinking about selling it, what's the latest NOI of this project to understand what kind of value price point wise, you should put on there when you take it to the marketplace. Okay. So, so when, so who's determining when you're taking it to the marketplace? Is it the, is it me? If it's my shares, is that me that's determining it? 
or is it you guys? And if so, are you getting an actual appraisal? Are you getting desktop appraisal? Are you getting a, um, you know, just going up a cap rate? You know, um, how do you how do you come up with those numbers? Yeah, so you are the person who determines when you want to sell after your seasoning period. Like I mentioned, the blend yep. of the year, you're ready to sell. Uh, yep. You would probably have the most recent quarter financial statements. So you know the yep. performance of the property based on that. And then you would now have an ask price that you would like based on where you feel the value is. And then yep. I want to just stop here and just say that there's a lot of that other technology that's being worked on, be coming into the market soon. A lot of companies are working on day-to-day valuations of, uh, of security tokens based on other factors, AI uh, factors of the you know debits and credits that are taking place on the bank on a daily basis so that you know uh, the cash position of the property every day. These things help you to further get a little bit more uh, uh, closely analyze the value uh, based on yesterday's activity of the property, not just based on the last quarter. So there are ways that we're trying to bring uh, that valuation a lot more clearer to the investor. But even without the, the what's coming down the pipeline, you can take the last quarterly financial statement and understand where the NOI is for that property and then drill that down to the value of your shares. All right. So then, then I'm dictating, basically, this is what I'm willing to sell for. And then it's a matter of whether somebody in the marketplace is willing to, to, to purchase those or not. Right. At the end of the day, it's all about supply and demand. So That's right. you, can, you can put your price on a dollar twenty-five cents a share that you yep. bought at a dollar, for example, and you saw that it's improved in value. So you think a dollar twenty-five is a good exit price. And, and the market maker now will cast it out to people looking to buy shares uh, in real estate. And they'll now come back and say, yes, we agree dollar twenty-five and they'll buy your entire allocation or they'll offer a dollar twenty cents. And then you have to make sure come back with an acceptance or a counter offer to that. So that's the way uh, the liquidity is work, is, it works right now. It's based on broker dealers you know, creating a, a open book order for your shares that you want to sell. The more, yeah. of course, you know, the more leading you are in terms of price point, the faster you'll sell. Um, and the more aggressive you are with price point, the longer you might have to wait. Right. So is there anything else? I mean, this is this is great. I mean, this is definitely the future and this is the direction that things are going. So is there anything else that you'd want to, um, uh, you know, mention that you think is extremely important, uh, you know, before we finish up here? Yeah, I just think that, you know, family offices are are great investors and I think on average have at least 30 percent of their investment in real estate. And I was just reading uh, a few days ago that that looks like that's going to be increasing like 37 percent into real estate, hard assets. And I think that's uh, wonderful. And I, I just think that this now allows them uh, more flexibility with making their investments. So like I said, in one year, if a family office is lucky enough to invest in five projects for the year and their minimum investment was, let's say, uh, $2 million per investment, now they can actually take that same uh, $10 million and divide it into uh, 100 properties, uh, which further, you know, I think gives them better um, the dollar cost averaging, but also gives them a better portfolio of diversification, uh, which I think helps their performance overall. Also, uh, having the ability to uh, monitor and exit if necessary, or just see if there are opportunities to buy more at a lower price and start trading within uh, the shares they own, it enhances their ability to make future profits. Um, and I think that's something they never had an opportunity to do before. 
So yeah, I think uh, we just wanted to make sure the family office is very clear uh, that this is exactly the same kind of product you're buying every day. It just comes in a different format, which is digital. Uh, digital, is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, is better than non-digital in almost every capacity. Uh, everything that's gone digital goes for a reason because it's faster, better, cheaper, and more efficient. And the same thing for digital shares of real estate. Buying into digital real estate shares is faster, easier, much better, much more efficient for them. And now it comes with liquidity options. Well, I'll tell you, um, and I'd be curious somewhere you got that statistic, because obviously it's, you know, uh, with our report and, and whatnot, and it, it's so you, you, you um, I'd like to see those numbers. But, you know, uh, the one thing I will say, too, is that crowdfunding has been increasing significantly. Uh, in fact, one of the main crowdfunding sources, they've tripled basically what they've done on a capital raise over the last from what they were doing three years ago to what they're doing now is significantly more. And, and um, you know, a lot of with families, it's the younger generation that really has grasped and take down this technology, right? And, and so they understand that um, much better than the, the first gens. And, and so it's an evolutionary process, just like with what you're doing. And in fact, you know, I've talked to all the crowdfunding uh, sources that's been around for years, and not one has taken the step that you have. So I really see that you're ahead of the curve and you're actually, you know, being a, a market maker, I guess you could per se. And so, Ed, I want to I want to thank you for being here and um, chatting about it, because um, it, it's a it's a really um uh, you know, it's something that, like you said, it's utilizing blockchain, it's utilizing current technology, and it provides liquidity. And one of our board members, actually, Joe Pagliera, who's the head of real estate at the University of Chicago Booth, he said that, you know, a proper allocation or diversification of a portfolio is really 15 properties. And, and you either have to get that through, uh, you really either get that through a fund or you have to invest in a lot of different properties. And typically, um, you know, when you're doing it directly into the deals, you're gonna write bigger checks. This allows you to actually diversify even more for the same amount of money that, that you're investing as a family, right? Um, and you do have that liquidity feature as well. So I think it's something that, you know, families really, really need to take a look at and dive into and see the opportunity. And, and with you guys at Red Swan, I mean, you've got a, a great platform. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, um, we in, encourage people to actually go on and take a look at Red Swan, see what's available. Ed, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back to keep us uh, abreast of how things are going on a go forward basis, because, you know, we like to have uh, industry leaders uh, and telling us where we are and what the direction is. And, and you're definitely uh, at the top of our list when it comes to tokenization. Thank you, DJ. You know, you're absolutely right about uh, this is really for the younger generation that's taking over. You know, there's going to be a huge transfer of wealth over the next 10 years. We realize that. And it's moving towards technology every day. We're seeing customers, not just the owners of these properties themselves, but they're bringing their, their, their siblings on board uh, mm -hmm. to talk with us because they realize they're going to be the ones inheriting the property and they want to understand the new ways of um, handling their technology and handling the transactions. And most of these younger generation, um, millennials and uh, y, YXers, all the, all the younger generation are using digital formats. They're using their cell phones. They're not going into the, to the, uh, 
you know, the broker dealer's office and sitting down filling out forms. If it can't be done with a cell phone, they're not really, really interested. So I think we all have to kind of adapt and pivot towards technology and take advantage of it because it is much easier. And Red Swan is really trying to make sure that, you know, a family office doesn't have to go flying around the world to go find properties. We can bring these quality assets right to their doorstep, right to their cell phone and make them have a much more pleasant and faster transactional experience. So thank you very much for letting me be on this the show with you. Well, like I said, we'll ask you back so we can get an update. So Ed, thanks for uh, once again being on the show and um, uh, let us know how things keep going. Thank you. Take care, DJ. Have a good weekend.